Good morning, family. It is so good to see you all today. And church, thank you for joining us. Visitors, thank you for being here. So good to see you guys. So good to um, see your bright and shining faces. And visitors, thanks for checking us out. If you have any questions about Fourth Avenue, we'd love to get to know you guys and get to know your family and love y'all. Sounds like we got a lot of awesome stuff coming up here at Fourth Avenue. And we'd love to see y'all involved in those activities. And today, you guys are all in for a treat because I have my favorite human on the planet, uh, co preaching with me. And yeah, yeah. Um, but she specifically, with the, the topic that we're talking about today, she has a lot that she contributes to this conversation. And before we get into what we're talking about, she has this really wonderful story that is a perfect metaphor for what we're talking about. So, go ahead. <laughs> so, growing up in Springfield, Missouri, my family had season tickets to Silver Dollar City, an amusement park nestled in the hills of the Ozarks in Branson, Missouri, which I have dubbed the Las Vegas for the retired. <laughs> if you know, you know. And this amusement park was so much fun. It was one, it's one of those where there's banjo music playing from like fake rock speakers, like dang, 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 dang. so you're like walking around like this now. And we would eat apple dumplings and ride rides, and it was a great time. And on one of these 45-minute drives, I was getting real worked up about something real worked up and my parents were doing their best to stay calm and help me have this be a learning moment and see their perspective well I wasn't having it I was done and at one point my dad lovingly calmly said something along these lines of Abby can you please listen to us and I said I am listening which everyone burst out in the car laughing because it was so ridiculous. And of course, I joined in laughing because it was silly, but also I was embarrassed laughing and angry laughing at the same time because I was still smoldering. But obviously, in this moment, I was a very incongruent listener. Mm. Much like I am in our marriage. No. <laughs> yes. But I love that visual of young Abby putting her hands over her ears as a metaphor for what we're talking about today. I think it's a great story to illustrate how bad of listeners we can often be. Mm -hmm. That we're great at talking over one another, we're great at being distracted by our work and our phones, and there's a lot of ways in which we have metaphorically had our hands over our ears. Mm -hmm. We're continuing with our series on Revelation that we started last week, and this morning we're gonna be laser focused on one specific sentence that occurs in each of the seven letters to the churches. So if you're not familiar, Revelation, in, the, in chapters two and three, there are seven different letters all addressed to different churches. So in some ways, it's like a mini library within Revelation. And from a bird's eye view, they all kind of have this same structure. It starts with an address to an angel of a certain church. So in the Old Testament, we see angels and demons as well kind of being over certain regions, geographical areas. And in the New Testament, it's thought that there are angels in each congregation, almost like a guardian angel protecting them. And the word angel literally means messenger. So these are words from Jesus given through the Spirit to the messengers, to each of these angels in these churches to then deliver to the churches. So after that, it's from Jesus 
using Revelation 1 imagery. So what we talked about last week, that image of Christ and the really beautiful symbolism and, and all of that that's baked in there. So it'll say, from the one who holds seven stars in his right hand or the, from the one who, whose legs were like refined bronze. In other words, these are all from Jesus. And if you have a red letter Bible, you're going to notice in chapters 2 and 3 that these are all covered in red words because this is Jesus speaking. And then it goes into the body of each of the letters, which talks about the good and or the bad of each church. And some churches have a mixture of both. Some, some it's all good, some it's bad. And then it ends with these two elements in the conclusion. One is a reward for those that are victorious. So it'll say something like, to the one that is victorious, they will receive a reward like their name will be written in the book of life. They will be given a new name. They will receive the same authority that has uh, same authority from the Father that Jesus has received, which is just wild to think about that, right? But it's this really beautiful picture. If you hold on, if you endure through all this hardship and persecution, great things are coming. And this other detail that we're focusing on this morning is an encouragement for the church to listen to what the Spirit is speaking. In these letters, there are really important things for people to be listening for. They're hearing encouragements, such as their ability to patiently endure, and also their intolerance of evil. And then we also read of warnings like losing their first love, and their tolerance of evil, and being lukewarm. In a couple of churches, Jesus even threatens to remove their places as churches if they continue in these destructive ways. So this is a very serious thing. And the sentence specifically that we are diving into verbatim is the same in all of these seven is this. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. This concept of anyone with ears to hear, that's straight from the ministry of Jesus, right? He says that. And I think he kind of gets that from Isaiah, because that's where we read that as well, about having hardened ears and not, not listening to what God is saying. <clears throat> we might hear the words of God, but how quick are we to actually listen? How quick are we to obey what we hear? I wonder today, what would the Spirit speak into Fourth Avenue? If we received a letter from Jesus through the Spirit, what might we be encouraged to continue doing? What might need to change? And in our personal lives, what might God be speaking into and encouraging us to alter or encouraging us to keep going in? Some of you think, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could actually know that? And what if I told you that most of you have already been hearing from the Spirit in many ways in your life? In several streams of Christianity, there's been this idea that God doesn't speak to us anymore because we have received the Bible. That there's nothing else that God would communicate to us. And I'm sure some of us have grown up not hearing much about the Holy Spirit whatsoever apart from maybe a scripture or two. But the Spirit of God plays such a crucial, pivotal role in the believer's life. And listening to the promptings of the Spirit is so important. In some ways, well, I said that on accident. In some of Jesus' last words with his apostles before his crucifixion, he says this from John 16. But, in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Mm -hmm. 
If I do go away, then I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And if you go down in verse 12, it continues with this. This is one of my favorite verses. Mm -hmm. There is so much more I want to tell you, more than you can bear. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. There are so many verses about Holy Spirit throughout scripture, but we learn so much about the Holy Spirit from these few verses. And a lot of these aspects about the Holy Spirit's role we see mentioned here, we see in the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We see that he is our advocate, that he is for us and on our side, like in Romans 8, how the Spirit bears witness that we are children of God because we are in Christ and we see that there are aspects of advocacy all throughout these letters to provide incredible encouragement to some of these churches. We also see that he will convict the world of its sin. We see this when examining the different warnings that are present throughout the letters. We see that he will guide us into all truth. He does this by speaking what he hears from Jesus which these letters are all words coming from Jesus for the sake of growth for these churches. And further, the Spirit will glorify Jesus. This means that the Spirit will always point us back to Jesus. That's what the Spirit loves to do, point us to Jesus. But one of the key overall takeaways from John 16 is that the Spirit speaks Sometimes those are words of advocacy, sometimes they're words of conviction, but this is one of the key roles of the Spirit is to speak to us and guide us into truth. And though the Spirit is speaking to us, are we listening? Do we spend time hearing what he's saying? And I just want to acknowledge that listening can, to the Spirit can be really hard for us for several different ways. One of the ways I recognize it being hard for me to listen to the Spirit is whenever I am feeling resistance in my spirit to listen to God because of something I am carrying. Like maybe it's anger or embarrassment or shame. St. Ignatius of Loyola encourages us that resistance is invitation to lean into the resistance, to see where the invitation is from the Spirit to learn to grow. And recently I was feeling a lot of resistance welling up inside of me. And I was not wanting to be with God and I was not wanting to listen to his voice about several things in my life. And because part of what we do when we listen is we create space and we sit in silence. And we do this because we receive from God but it's really vulnerable, right? Lots of things come up in the silence. And um, because silence needs honesty. And I was not wanting to be honest with God about where I was and what I believed about him and about myself. And I noticed I was filling up all of the space and silence in my life so that I didn't have to sit with him because I was embarrassed and nervous and it was too vulnerable for me. 
So I finally created space in silence and sat with the Lord to hear from him. And it was really hard. <laughs> it was so hard at first. But I continued to lean in through the resistance and I told God that I wanted to hear from him and that I was sorry that I had been hiding from him and that I wanted him to, I wanted my numbness and the things I was carrying to get out of the way so that I could receive from him. And so eventually in this time, I said, what are you speaking to me? And you know what I heard? I heard the voice came in, the verse came into my mind of you will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. Hmm. And um, from that moment on, my time with Jesus was just what I needed. It was as if I heard Jesus saying, am I enough for you? Can I satisfy you? And it was exactly what I needed to hear from him. See, God has a way of when we spend time listening, even when we feel resistance in our spirits of speaking to us. If we lean into that resistance, he meets us where we are and wants to speak directly to the depths of our heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's really beautiful. You would not have had that experience uh -uh. if you did not push into that resistance. Mm -hmm. And church, I wholeheartedly, 100% believe that God has incredible things in store for each and every one of your lives individually and incredible things in store for our church body. But if we are not listening to the Holy Spirit, if we're not pushing through that resistance and see it as invitation is what she was saying, we may miss out on the flourishing life that God has for us. We may miss the encouragement that we need whenever we feel like we're just on the floor and we can't even get up because we have no motivation and we're so sad in our spirits. We may miss that encouraging word that God has for us that's gonna lift us up and help us face tomorrow. We may miss the rebuke that he might share with us towards our sinful lifestyles that we might be blind to. We might miss his invitation to these greater things. And I'll be honest, <laughs> For a long part of my life, hearing the words listening to the Spirit were huge red flags, right? I, I could not really make sense of that because people have said some pretty wild things in the name of the Holy Spirit or in the name of God, right? Like, I think about my time at Harding and the amount of times I heard a guy say something like, you know, I was really sitting with God and I feel like God told me that, you know, I should date this girl. Okay? Uh, and then sometimes even using that as like a pickup line. And, and I feel like in those situations, people need to respond, well, you know, if God says something similar to me, I'll let you know. But still, it's, it's kind of wild to, to say stuff like that. Or thinking about, I've watched a lot of cult documentaries, which I don't know why. Um, but the amount of times that the leaders are like, oh, I heard this special word from God and I got this anointing from God. Sometimes they're like, I am God. <laughs> that could raise some red flags and should raise some red flags, right? And maybe some of y'all had had somebody prophesy or say a word that was from God that actually ended up being very unhelpful for you or triggered some amount of shame, right? So I get the caution. I'm with you on the caution, and I'm not trying to start any cults here. But going to the opposite extreme is also detrimental. 
whenever we don't think God speaks to us at all, it can be just as destructive and faulty. So this raises the question, how do we actually discern God's voice, particularly in uh, regards to other voices in our lives? Because we're bombarded with them, right? And truthfully, until we test whether a word or a revelation that is said it's in the name of God, until we test it, treat it as an alleged word from God. Do not take it as 100% certainty. And here's a helpful test that I've sort of accumulated through a couple sources. And I just want to preface that this is not perfect. This is not foolproof. And also, all of these things by themselves are not sufficient. We need all of these criteria to help us create this more robust view of discernment of God's voice. So the first thing is whatever revelation that we might receive, it needs to be in alignment with Scripture. It turns out that God sounds a lot like how he is portrayed in the Bible. So a big way that we test the spirits is by looking at Scripture. And even more specifically than that, considering whether what we are hearing lines up with the perfect revelation of God, which is Jesus. If something that we hear does not sound like the Christ of Scripture, it is probably not from God. And this is why we need to be people who know the whole Bible, because it's really hard to know God fully without it. And I say that all of these are not sufficient on their own because, with Scripture, for example, people can do all sorts of theological gymnastics, as I like to say, to do whatever they want, to justify whatever they want. If you use Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, there is no limit to how you interpret that, right? You can go all over the board with it. So there needs to be more than just this. Another thing is the Spirit's conviction. Perhaps a prompting or a conviction that we feel is something that is from God. If something that is said and even quoted from a Bible verse doesn't feel right and doesn't seem right, look into a little bit because, like I said, people can justify whatever they want with Scripture. For example, Slave owners justified what they were doing by quoting Bible verses. But if you feel this prompting or conviction otherwise, it may, and key word here is may, be a prompting from the Spirit to look into that further. The reason I say may is sometimes we can confuse the Spirit's conviction with the flesh's conviction. But if we test a conviction we feel with Scripture, if we test it with these other sources, I, I think it's a part of this uh, overall view of discernment. Third is looking at the community of believers and talking with them. One thing that's going to help us know whether something is from the Spirit or not is by talking with other people who have the Spirit. And this is a wide variety of perspectives too, not just the echo chambers that we like to put ourselves in. And that includes looking into church history and saints who have gone before us and hearing what they have thought as well. We can read scripture in isolation and come up with some pretty interesting views. Similarly, we can have a conviction in our heart that we feel is right, but it's just not accurate. And the beauty of good community, keyword is good, is that they can knock a lot of that nonsense off of us. But also, this on its own is not enough. Because you can surround yourself with people that just think exactly like you do. Or you can be a part of a group that is not really trustworthy or is not going to give you the support that you truly need. And the last thing that I think kind of rounds this out is looking at the fruit. 
This one can be tricky because sometimes it might be a long time before you see the fruit of a decision or, or following in the way of Jesus. But if a certain lifestyle that you start living because you feel this encouragement or this prompting from the Holy Spirit leads to the fruit of the Spirit, it's probably of the Spirit. But if the fruit that you are seeing from this thing that you are doing leads to the fruits of the flesh and sin and selfishness, then it's probably not. So this is a helpful test if you use these four points. Is it perfect? No. Does there need to be more in it? Probably. But this is something that could be helpful if you're, you're trying to discern, is this something from God or is it not? Does it line up with Scripture and specifically the character of God revealed in Scripture? Do I feel the Spirit's conviction or affirmation in it? Do other Christians affirm what was revealed? And is the fruit the fruit of the Spirit? This can feel like a lot to remember every time you're trying to discern something, right? But the good news is that the more we learn the Spirit's voice, the more we're able to recognize how the Spirit speaks and that the Spirit speaks. And so it's the same with us. The more you know someone, the more you know their voice, the more you can pick them out. So if Kyle was in this crowd of people and it was really loud, not only would I look for his height because he's so tall, I'm like, oh, there he is. I could find Kyle because I know his voice. I've sat with him. I know how he sounds. And so even if it's loud, I can point him, pick him out. And that's how it is with the Spirit. There are so many voices vying for our attention, telling us who we are and who we are not. And the more we know the Spirit's voice, the more we can pick him out in a crowd, hone in, cling to his voice. And the more this voice shapes us, the more we listen to the Spirit, the more we recognize the Spirit, the more we are moved by the Spirit of God, and the more we will grow in intimacy and friendship with God. There's a verse I love in Revelation that says this. This is Jesus speaking. It's so good. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Mm. This is Jesus. This is my Lord. (laughs) This is why I give my life to him. He is so good in every way. And he wants to grow in friendship with us. So do we have ears to hear his invitation and his knock at the door and receive his invitation of friendship? Mm. Yeah, I love that scripture. It's so good. Thinking about Jesus inviting us. Like he's at our house, knocking on the door, come on in, and sharing a meal as a friend. Like this is the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. How, how beautiful is this, right? And knowing that Jesus is inviting us to have this sort of close relationship with him, I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about the ways in which you already have been hearing his invitation. You already have been hearing God in your life. And I just want to normalize this because I think so often we can think it's only for a few people or people with certain charismatic gifts. This is for everyone and everywhere and all the time. And um, in Brad Jerzak's book, Can You Hear Me? He compares God's voice to radio waves. They're just always around us, though we may not see it, but you have to be tuned in to listen to what God is saying. Similarly, in John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, and he says that his sheep hear his voice. It's not that they might 
hear his voice, or maybe in the right circumstances or on occasion. No, they hear his voice. His followers know his voice. And I'm sure if we look back on our lives, especially after this next little bit that we're going to do, and think about the times that God has shown up, we're going to see that he's been talking with us our whole lives. And, and that was a revelation that I had this summer. And looking back on my life and just seeing all of these steps in my life, all of these moments, all of these events, that God was speaking to me, that he was with me. It's, it's truly a beautiful thing to go back and do that. And if God is the creator of all things, which he is, and if God is in all things, as scripture talks about, then that means that God has a wide variety of ways that he can talk with us. A wide variety of ways that he can show up. And a lot of them are unexpected. Oftentimes they are. And that can include more supernatural things like visions, dreams, and hearing a voice. And if I had more time, I'd get into those. But it's not just those kinds of things. God speaks to us through the grid of our humanity and in ways that make sense to us. So let's look at some ways that just clear as day that you guys have heard from God. One of the clearest is the call to be a Christian. That in and of itself is you hearing a prompting from God. In John 6, it says, no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws that person to himself. And I believe God is sending that invite to the world. (laughs) He wants everybody to come to him. So hearing the call to be a Christ follower is one way that we have heard from God. Another way that God clearly speaks to us is through Scripture. And I'm not just talking about in the nature of what Scripture is, that it is, you know, the inspired Word of God, but... The times whenever we're reading the Bible and feel like something there is highlighted for our souls, like it's just speaking directly into something that we're dealing with, whenever we are led to conviction and led to tears from something that we're reading because it's so beautiful, whenever a verse comes to our mind for guidance and discernment and questioning what we should do. Whenever the words of the Bible lead us into obedience and love for the rest of humanity, right? Those are just some of the ways in which God's word is living and active. What's, what makes me, part of what makes me think scripture is inspired, these words were written thousands of years ago. And if we pick up the Bible today, it is still speaking into my life. It is still speaking into our world and our context. And that was the Spirit speaking to me when I asked, what are you saying? And that verse came immediately to my mind that I was not thinking of. You will be fully satisfied that Jesus was wanting to show me. I will find that in him. Another way that God speaks to us is through worship. So maybe it's a song that stays inside of you or a song that comes into your mind out of nowhere whenever you need it. Or maybe it's while you are worshiping and a song or a line in a song stands out, pulls you in, speaks directly where you need it, convicts you, brings you to tears. It's as we worship these moments, a lot of times God moves things from our head to our heart. And that is all God speaking truth over us and pulling us in. When we worship, we are choosing to turn our eyes to Jesus. And as we hear from him, powerful things take place and shape inside of us. We are able to 
grow in trust. We are reminded of who God is and what he has done. We feel an overwhelming sense of his love and are reminded of his mercy and grace for us. Worship draws us into deeper faith, hope, and love. And even when we come into worship and we feel resistance and we feel numb and disconnected from God, God has a way of showing up and speaking to us through worship. Do we have ears to hear what he's saying as we sing? Yeah, amen. Another way that God speaks to us is through messengers. And, and that can be a mentor in your life, that can be a teacher, that can be a preacher, a good preacher. No, I'm kidding. Even bad ones, uh, God can really speak through and use the words of that sermon or whatever in ways that you can't even really imagine. And, or it could be just strangers, that it feels like something they say is hitting at directly something that you're dealing with or that you hear it multiple times in a row and it's like, okay, God, I get the message, thank you. But we are all made in the image of God and God likes to speak through and work through his messengers. Another way God speaks is through conviction of right and wrong. And like we mentioned in John 16, how the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. This, these are those moments of conviction and guilt when we're like, oh, I am not participating with God. I am not living into my true God-created identity. And when we feel that, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Guilt is necessary for repentance and for growth. Guilt helps us live morally, but, oh, well, and I love this, that Brad Jerzak says, genuine conviction of sin is the voice of God speaking to the heart about what grieves him most. Hmm. So I wonder what it would be like if we ask, Lord, is there anything that I am doing that grieves your heart? I think it may only take a moment for something to come to mind. But oftentimes we dwell in the guilt. We're really good at hearing guilt and conviction from God, but God doesn't just speak that. He speaks words of delight over us. So have we ever sat with God and said, what do you like about me? What are you proud of? What are you pleased with? And he wants to tell us because he wants us to know what he's pleased with. What he, God loves us and likes us. He doesn't just speak the language of rebuke. He speaks language of delight. Zephaniah 3.17 says that God has great delight for us. Another way God speaks is through feeling this burden for others. So do people ever come into your mind and you feel the need to pray for them? Or while you are praying, someone comes up into your mind? This is the Spirit speaking because all throughout Scripture, God loves to partner with his people to bring his love, justice, grace, and truth to the world. And so God wants to partner with us to intercede for people. Notice the next time someone comes up into your mind and notice what the Lord is inviting you into to pray and intercede for that person and recognize that that is God speaking to you. Also, encouragement is a way God speaks. God loves to speak through his people who are attentive to his heart. So when we participate in speaking words of life and encouragement over someone, we are participating with God. When we participate in these speaking words of life and encouragement, 
we are hearing God's words of delight and we are getting to say them to someone. Mm. That is so stinking fun. It's so <laughs> fun to do that. These are those pure moments of encouragement. And whether you are someone who encouragement comes to naturally or not, I wonder what it would be like for us to start noticing that those life-giving words that we are hearing to give to someone are coming from God. He's speaking to you to give it to someone. Yeah, and, and hearing from God to encourage somebody else, a really helpful uh, guideline, I guess, that was in the Can You Hear Me book that we've referenced a couple times is this. If your motive is love, if you're doing it because you love someone, which is what we should be doing for, like, everything, right? If it is rooted and not contradictory to Scripture, and the motive and purpose is encouragement, to lift someone's spirits, to speak words of life over them, you can't miss God wants us to be people who are speaking words of life over other people. So, highly recommend that. A couple other ways that God speaks to us is through symbols. The Bible's full of symbols. I mean, think about the temple and the tabernacle. All of that, all the furnishings in there represent something deeper and more beautiful about God. And a lot of times, symbols for us can become like this unspoken language with God. And for lack of time, um, some of those... Symbols for me in my life are clouds, rabbits, and randomly kangaroos. All of those have really beautiful personal stories attached to them in which I feel like God spoke to me to either change some parts of my life or encourage me. It's super, super beautiful. So maybe, maybe for you it's a butterfly. Maybe for you it's the sun or I don't know. Whatever it is, God can speak through symbols. And another way is through parables. And it makes sense because Jesus' favorite way of teaching was through parables. And I'm not just talking about parables in scripture, I'm talking about modern day parables as we are living them out. For example, whenever I was younger, I had a problem of having a lead foot. And I got a lot of speeding, well, not a lot. I got three speeding tickets one morning. It's all relative, whatever. Um, but I, in my mind, I was like, I can get places faster if I go faster only to find out that if you get pulled over, it takes a long time and you show up late to things. So in that, God was teaching me patience. <laughs> so that was a modern-day parable that I needed for my life. So those are just some of the ordinary, everyday sort of ways that we hear from God. This, this is not something that is foreign or weird, but something that God is inviting us into. But today is not just hearing about how we already have listened to God but a challenge that we need to be listening more intently yeah. to have ears to hear. And since that is not natural for us oftentimes, we need to keep growing in our ability to listen because oftentimes we have the spirit of doing this, right? That I'm not going to listen. I refuse to listen to what God is leading me into. But instead of living out of our hurry, instead of living out of our distraction, what if we started creating space to just be still? and be silent, and be present before the Lord, and let him speak into us? What if we read scripture with the expectation that God is trying to tell me something, that God has something for my life in this? What if whenever we're spending time in prayer, we're not just treating God like a genie, and saying, give me everything that I ask, but we spend time sitting, listening, and asking questions about what he wants for our lives? We need the posture of a listener like Isaiah. 
in Isaiah chapter 6, after beholding the glory of God, which we talked a lot about the glory of God last week, after beholding the glory of God, and he says, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, after this encounter, he then says these words, here I am, Lord, send me. What if every single person in our church had that posture? Had that posture of a listener that said, Lord, wherever you want me, whatever you want for my life, not my will, yours be done, right? What if we had that posture, Lord, here I am, send me. And whenever we receive whatever that is from God, that we don't waffle and be like, well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't do that. We do it. We obey. We listen to the promptings that he has for us. This would mean that we're not going to be a church that's living with a business mindset. This means we're not going to be a church that is only working with human logic and reason. This means we would be a church that is listening to the Holy Spirit and walking in step with the Holy Spirit. If what we are doing here at 4th Avenue now and in the years to come is not empowered by the Holy Spirit, our church will close its doors in 30 years, as it should. But if we are listening to the Holy Spirit, our church can make a deep kingdom impact. And there is no limit to what God can do with our lives. Our church will be able to fight back against the kingdom of darkness and help establish the kingdom of the first and the last, the kingdom of the Son of Man and our good friend, Jesus. Amen. So we just want to take two minutes or less, but we really want to carve out space for us to listen. We use busyness as an excuse. I use busyness as an excuse. We use all kinds of things as an excuse to not listen. So I'm going to read Psalm 23 over us and do a Lectio Divina, which means I'm going to read it slowly. And I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight a word or a phrase. What is he wanting to speak to you through this passage? And if you feel resistance in your spirit, lean in. See it as an invitation to hear from the Lord. So I want to invite you to close your eyes or look down at the floor. Whatever is more comfortable for you to press in, listen, hear, pay attention So Holy Spirit, we are wanting to hear from you. We believe you are speaking. We believe you have something. So would you help us to hear a word or a phrase for us right now through you? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Take a couple moments to linger in the silence and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to show you that word or phrase. Spirit, thank you for being one who wants to guide us. Jesus, for saying that we will hear your voice. May we lean in and listen so we can recognize you, so we can be moved and shaped by you. And in your name, Jesus, we all say, amen.